Hello, friends, and welcome to Ways We Work. This is a podcast all about the things we put work into, whether it's our careers or our personal growth. This podcast exists to explore all the ways that people do the work that's meaningful to them. I'm Amanda, and I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm also a certified coach. I work with purpose-driven high achievers who are looking to quiet that voice in their heads so that they can do the work that's most meaningful to them with more resilience and ease. My approach to coaching is really grounded in curiosity and self-compassion so that people can grow in a way that is sustainable and actually feels good. And if you're curious to learn more about that, you can go to coachingwithamandawood.com. This podcast is also an evolution of the online interview series, Ways We Work, and you can check out over 100 plus interviews with creative professionals and teams from places like Facebook and Spotify at wayswework.io. I'm so glad you're listening, and if you're here, drop me a hello on Twitter at Amanda Wood. And also, you might notice this podcast doesn't have any music. So if you're listening and you feel like there is a great track that would work for an intro or an outro. I would love suggestions. Okay, let's get into it. This week I'm talking all about self-compassion and I almost stopped myself from recording this episode today because I'm not feeling so self-compassionate, but I figured there probably couldn't be a better time to remind myself how important it is. So let's do it. I imagine that my journey with self-compassion has been pretty similar to most people's. You hear about it, you start to get the idea, maybe it's a good thing, but when you practice it, it kind of feels like nails screeching across a blackboard. Okay, that's a really specific (laughs) analogy, but I hope you know what I mean. It feels unnatural, uncomfortable, and most of all, you are not convinced that it's going to work. I discovered the concept of self-compassion for the first time probably in my early 20s, and it was around the time that I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and I had just started taking medication for that. And I stumbled across one of Christian Neff's books, and I talked about her in my last episode, and I'm going to share more of her amazing wisdom in this episode as well. So if you don't know her, she is the self-compassion queen, or more specifically, the leading psychologist and researcher on the subject. Here's the hardest thing I have found about getting started with self-compassion. If you're in the place that I was in, you don't believe that you even deserve it. The mental space where you need self-compassion the absolute most is the hardest place to practice it from. It was like every fiber of my being rejected it at first. I had this really deep-seated belief that I had to fix myself or do more to get to a point where I was worthy of being kind to myself. I mentioned this in the last episode, but it turns out I am not alone in this. Christian Neff says that this is the biggest barrier to people practicing self-compassion. What she actually says is that people believe it's a way of letting themselves off the hook. And in her interview on the Hidden Brain podcast, she says one of the main reasons people avoid self-compassion is because they think being harsh with themselves is the only way to improve, and that many of us don't use this tactic with others, but when it comes to ourselves, we resort to this old belief about corporal punishment. She says it gets short-term compliance, but causes a lot of long-term harm. 
And I saw this playing out inside myself, and I've also seen this play out with other people and, and folks I work with. And I think it's the reason many of us can force ourselves to work 10, 12, 16 hour days and still not feel satisfied with what we accomplish. We can get ourselves to be compliant by being hard on ourselves and not allowing ourselves to rest. But the underlying belief that we are somehow working to a point where we might finally be worthy keeps us feeling bad and it becomes this negative reinforcing cycle. It took me getting to a really bad place to realize how important the practice of self-compassion was. And that was where I had to start. And it was this realization that I had tried everything else and it wasn't working. There was nothing left to try and I just felt super desperate. So I started with a really common practice, which is what would you say to a friend who was going through what you're going through right now? And this worked most of the time, and I still think it's a really great place to start. But this is also where I realized just how deep in the pit I was when it came to negative beliefs. Because if I'm honest, really honest, even though I could be really comforting towards a friend about what they'd done or not done, I noticed there was still judgment underneath. That I wanted to comfort them but it was because I was feeling this, you know, secondhand shame or pity for them. Now, I'm being really honest here, so I hope you don't leave this thinking I'm a horrible person, <laughs> because it turns out I'm not alone in this either. So New Happy posted this super helpful graphic on Instagram a few months ago that I'll link in the description about a concept called the near enemies of happiness, and it comes from Buddhist psychology. So many of us know the far enemies. So for example, the far enemy of optimism is hopelessness, but the near enemy is toxic positivity. I feel like I should do an episode on that as well. Might do that. The far enemy of kindness is ill will, but the near enemy is having no boundaries. And the far enemy of compassion is cruelty, but the near enemy is pity. And when I saw this for the first time, I felt this huge light bulb go off because I felt like I was holding these two opposing pieces of knowledge. The first one is that many people who struggle with self-compassion say it's easier to be kinder to others than it is to be to themselves, which I do think is mostly true. But then in Buddhism, the concept of compassion is actually considered incomplete if it doesn't include yourself. It's actually a very Western thing to add the self before the word, because compassion inherently has to include yourself, which is where the phrase we've all heard, you can't love others until you love yourself, comes from. And this concept of near enemies is what helped me reconcile these two things, because if I'm judging myself really harshly for something, it, it's impossible to not judge others really harshly about the same thing, because there's... There's a belief and shame tied to that thing. And New Happy explains that it can be really hard to spot these near enemies. Pity almost looks just like compassion. It's harder to spot, but pity has a sense of superiority when you're looking at someone else's pain. It's like a poor you, which creates distance from the person who is suffering. But the good news here is that this can give us insight into the ways we're judging ourselves. You know, for an example, if you are judging a coworker who just got a promotion because you don't think they were good enough for the role, is that possibly mirroring a belief that you're holding about yourself? 
and what you want. And it can work the opposite way too. You know, what are the judgments that you hold about yourself? Likely those are rippling out into your interactions and relationships with others. Going back to Christian Neff's research, she found that people who are more self-compassionate take more responsibility for their mistakes, they're more conscientious, and more likely to apologize. And ironically, even though the word self is in self-compassion, when you take that approach, it means you don't have to be so self-focused. And when I heard her say this on the podcast, it reminded me of the fact that compassion you know, the, the root of where compassion comes from, it inherently includes the self. And so when we are truly being compassionate, it means we're including ourselves, which means we are able and have the capacity to have compassion towards other people. And so we aren't so focused on how much we dislike ourselves, how much better we could be, all the judgments that we hold about ourselves that we end up projecting onto others. And in my own journey with self-compassion, I started because I was motivated by the fact that being self-critical just wasn't working anymore. It wasn't helpful. And then I think the next level for me was starting to notice all the ways that it was impacting my relationships with others. And then for me, the more recent layer has been getting to a place where I just want to practice self-compassion because I believe I'm a human being who deserves that and that all human beings deserve that. And I've gotten to this place where, for me, my relationship with myself has become the lens through which I view everything. And I think that was always true. I was just lacking a lot of awareness and intentionality around it. And it's the reason I can't stop talking about self-compassion, because I truly just see the ways it's connected to everything. (laughs) Let's take um, manifestation, for example. Super hot topic in coaching and spiritual industries right now. Law of attraction, all that good stuff. If you're going after a big dream, but deep down you don't believe you deserve it or are worthy of it, it's going to be so hard to take the steps needed to get there. And if every step of the way you're berating yourself for making mistakes, not trying hard enough, not being perfect from the very beginning, I sort of imagine it like setting out on a long road trip and every negative belief and thought is like poking a hole in your gas tank. (laughs) So now the gas isn't concentrated on getting you where you want to go. It's leaking out all over the road and you're going to run out of steam way faster. I have no idea where that metaphor came from, but we're going to go with it. I think sometimes I worry and have insecurity around the fact that people might mistake me for someone who thinks everything should be easy and we should just relax all the time and love ourselves for the perfect human beings we already are. But it's not quite the case. I just know that going after the big scary goals we all have for ourselves is hard enough without us also poking holes in our gas tanks. Because we're messy. We're messy, imperfect, inconsistent humans. And that's exactly the reason that we need self-compassion. And it's the fuel that helps us keep moving forward. Maybe you're saying, okay, I'm sold. But how? Where do I start? And I'm going to link some resources in the description. 
But what has been the most helpful practice for me has been talking to myself like I'm a child. Like I'm a child that needs support or comforting. And this might work for you, just to use the friend example, um, for how you might talk to a friend. I think it's still a super powerful practice to use. And the other practice that is super simple but really powerful is in the moments I notice I'm suffering, I ask myself, what do I need right now? And then I try to give that to myself or ask someone for help with it. Like right now. Today, as I'm recording this episode, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. Launching my own coaching practice has been super rewarding, but it's also been this experience of learning just how much I have to learn to run a successful business that has absolutely nothing to do with coaching. And that has me spinning today. You know, first there's learning the things I need to do to market and sell myself effectively. So the tactical, tangible things I need to spend time on. And then there's all the limiting beliefs and judgments I still have around doing a lot of those things, partially because I'm so new to them. And also because I have seen a lot of things in the industry that I don't love and don't resonate with. And then there's the emotions and beliefs around money, which lots of us have and can be really emotional. And then there's also just deciding where you should focus your energy first, right? Because you you can't do everything at once. You know, do you focus on Instagram? Do you focus on a podcast? Do you, you focus on building an email list? Like there's so many things you can be doing and it can be really overwhelming to just know where you should limit your focus when you're first starting out. And it's such a great example of how we never stop feeling like a beginner throughout our careers. The imposter syndrome just takes on a new form at each stage of our career. And these are the moments that I have to be so gentle with myself because this is when the inner critic wants to protect me. It's a mean-ass way to do it. But that's what it's doing, because if I listen to what it's saying, which is you can't do this, who did you think you were starting your own business, then I'll stop. I'll retreat, I'll avoid all the possible rejection and failure and overwhelm, and I'll satisfy that part of me that's scared, right? The part of me that wants to just stop trying, crawl into my bed, not interact with anyone or anything. (laughs) But that's not what I really want. The version of me that truly loves myself doesn't want to limit myself. It wants to do the scary things. It wants to learn. And self-compassion is the voice that can tell the inner critic that it's going to be okay. And the other part I want to add is that this doesn't necessarily solve the problem immediately in the moment. Like I am still feeling overwhelmed. (laughs) I'm still feeling like there's a million things on my list that I haven't been able to get to. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel great, you know, and I'm probably gonna finish recording this and go work out (laughs) to try to move some of this, this energy. Maybe I'll have a good cry and Maybe tomorrow, once I've rested and have a fresh pair of eyes, I can take a look at what needs to be done and where I need to focus my energy. But what I would have done in the past 
would be to punish myself for not figuring it out and believing that I need to sit here and spend all night making a plan, figuring out exactly where to start next. And one, it's just realistic. There, there are so many things that are going to take me months and months to learn. And I'm going to have to try things and I'm going to have to see what doesn't work. And that's just the reality of doing something new. But instead of chaining myself to my desk and forcing myself to figure this out, I am going to be kind to myself I'm going to ask myself what I need right now. And what I need right now is to go move my body, to maybe move some of the emotions that I'm feeling right now, and to just rest and revisit this tomorrow. It doesn't necessarily relieve any of the overwhelm and the confusion and the questions I have right now, but it feels a lot better than the alternative and probably when I give myself the things I need, I'm going to have the energy and the mental space to figure out what I need to figure out. So the question I'll leave you with is what do you need today? And how could you give that to yourself? Maybe make a mental note or put a reminder in your phone. If you don't have the time to do something for yourself right now, that you can go and do something later on. All right. I could talk about this topic for hours on end, but I will cap it here. I am so interested to hear what you guys thought about this episode. It was a little bit more freeform than I normally would do, but as you can tell, I love this topic. So thank you so much for listening. I am really grateful you're here. And as always, if this resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. You can find me at Amanda Wood on Twitter or on Instagram at Coaching with Amanda. And if you want to work with me, you can book a free discovery call at coachingwithamanda.com. If you want to support this podcast, subscribing and sharing it with a friend is the best way to do that. Thank you again, and I'll see you next episode.